Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. We're going to talk COVID postponements, get on that city bus with city settling into the top spot. What positions are up for grabs? Rafa out. There were wonder goals by the initials and a Harrison Hattie. There's a reason that it's just you and I tonight. That's right. There's we are soccer neophytes, the podcast formerly known as football neophytes, and two of our neophytes are not on tonight because their team is playing in the wild card round of the American football NFL playoffs. And the way it's looking, Tim, one or bo- both may hop on this call at any random time because the Cardinals are getting smoked. It's not looking good. Not looking good for the hometown boys. It's not looking good for the hometown boys, but as everyone knows, I am a fan of the Leeds owned. See, we can always pull it back to. See, there we go. The Leeds owned San Francisco 49ers who won their game over the weekend and have advanced in the playoffs. Uh, No excuse for Kyle not being on tonight, other than the fact that they've just moved, but hopefully we'll get him on soon. So Tim, uh, our house has been stricken with COVID for the first time. I might, might add, I saw Mm. a a meme recently of Neo from the matrix Uh doing his thing, avoiding the bullets and the bullets were named COVID-19, Delta, Omicron, and Mm -hmm. that is still me as far as I can tell, but it's not our family any longer. My middle child, the Wolves fan, Drexler, he uh, got COVID last week, and so we've been in lockdown. Uh, I got my booster recently, so I'm feeling a little bit under the weather because of that, but Uh, The only thing being postponed at our house is school for the kids. Um, But there is a running slew of COVID postponements in the Premier League. And if you couldn't hear it in the bumper, uh, I tried to add air quotes with my vocal inflection because um, this North London Derby over the weekend I'm not sure it was really a postponement due to COVID. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it's, it's barely COVID related, right? Did they have one or two positives? And then there were just a whole bunch of other factors that yeah, I every, think every other team in the league is dealing with. From what I understand, one COVID, um, Xhaka was suspended from the double yellows from last week. They have four players at AFCON. Uh, like six injuries or six people battling injuries. They sent a couple players out on loan. So yes, they had a depleted squad, but you know, my opinion on this and you even texted me cause you wanted me to bring the fire. <laughs> and actually uh, to my detriment, I still never saw an Arteta press conference. Oh my gosh, dude. But I don't need to, because this is yeah. just ridiculous. Like you look at a team, like again, a team like Le- I think it was Leeds over the weekend who had like five teenagers on their on their bench. Um, yeah, like it's this is a part of the game, and yeah, if you've got a bunch of injuries and you've got play, you got African players who are playing in the Cup of Nations. Yeah, I know it sucks, but. Wolves didn't suspend the second half of last season because Raul was out, you yeah. know, and, and Willie Bolly and Johnny Otto. And like we had four starters injured last year, Pedro Neto. Like we don't get to just cancel the second half of the season. Cause we had a lot of right. injuries, Right. So it was the exact same with Liverpool last year. Right. I mean, yeah. Van Dyke out from the very yeah. beginning and then just a slew of injuries all around and it's just the game. Right. So, yeah. 
I, I think the worst part about this is the precedent it sets for the rest totally. of the season. Like yeah. we may never finish this season. Like what? Like July, August, because I mean, I think Burnley has five games in hand right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that's not because of like phony reasons, right? Like they have yeah. legitimate reasons for those, but every other team in the league has made note of this. Yeah. That, that Arsenal with one COVID positive and then a slew of other factors got approval. Yeah. And they will, they will be right to be angry if every other team with an injury with players in Africa, with a player out with a red card, don't get their um, postponements approved. So for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, in a way I don't blame, I don't blame Arsenal for asking for it. Like every team is looking out for its own interests, right? Totally. Top to bottom of the table. Every team is looking out. That's, that's Arteta's job, but it's, it's just mind boggling why the league would approve it. No. And I did hear that there's like, there's some, there's some rules about having a certain amount of eligible players who you can even suit up and there's some of that, but man, I don't know when you got teams again, I think it was Leeds. I, I wish I would have actually taken better note of it, but you know, you've got teams who are playing, you know, wolves have put two keepers on the bench almost all season. Now, some of that's their choice. Like wolves yep. have traditionally have smaller squads. So that's part of the, the choice the club has made, but, but still, I think especially with, with Arsenal sending two of their guys out on loan. I mean, yeah. uh, Maitland Niles is one of them and he's, yeah. like, he's featured in the, in the like first, first uh, team squad. So it's not like yeah. it's some random under 23s or guys they purchased that they know aren't going to get playing time. So they sent them out on loan. So totally. You talk, you talked about wolves, right. Had a guy they brought back from loan who you didn't really know who he was. Right. Like, yeah, we'll talk about that. In a bit. Yeah. Teams, do, teams do that all the time, but yeah, when it's like legitimate players, that's there's other stuff they don't have control over, but they do have control over that. So, well, and that's, the yeah, thing. it's, wolves, it's really wolves, frustrating. And wolves were called a guy that they slotted into their one AFCON player slot. Like, yeah, that's what you do. You've got a guy missing. You need to find replacements. So find replacements. Yeah. yeah. So it's really unfortunate. I think you're right. I think the precedent now is just messy. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's the bigger issue is it's just messy. Cause now yep. teams will have a lot to complain about if they don't get the approvals on some of these things. So. Yeah. And they'll have, and they'll have a very good point. There are only and especially with especially with where Arsenal is sitting in the table, we'll we'll get into that later too. But like where they're sitting in the table, it's not like a team that's even if it was a club that was like struggling to stay out of relegation, it would still be a bad precedent to set to grant it to them. But um, the fact that this is a club that's in champions contention. Uh, they could get make the difference in the Champions League in Europa for them. Totally. And I think what's interesting though is that you've got you actually have three teams who have played all 22 of their scheduled matches so far. City, yep. Chelsea, and and West Ham. And so yep. I think you know, City and Chelsea, you'd expect to have like the squads that can withstand it. West Ham, they're playing in Europe and maybe they've just gotten fortunate, but, um, but it's kind of crazy. Only three teams have played all their matches. Liverpool only missing one, uh, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Brentford, Norwich only missing one. And then everyone yeah. else with two to five games in hand. Yeah. It's crazy. Speaking of city, uh, Tim or Chris, sorry, Chris has been talking about getting on the city bus with his lock it ins and with City's victory over Chelsea, they just continue to solidify that top spot in the league. Um, pretty impressive win. Lukaku had a had a chance to score earlier on. De Bruyne with a really great strike, curling it around a couple of defenders. Kepa unable to even touch it. Um, 
city beating the teams they have to beat to maintain distance. Um, I just, I'm fearful that there's no way (laughs) that anyone can catch them. Yeah. You know, I think my only solace is looking at the table, looking Liverpool has one game in hand. If we win at palace this weekend, I mean, city will continue to play. So like, we'll still be trailing, you know, we'll still have a game in hand theoretically, but if we win at palace, which isn't a done deal, but we should, we're at 48 points. And like, just, just psychologically, eight points behind when we're level on games with what 16 games to go feels I'm like talking myself into feeling like there's still a chance. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I think like city is by far the team to beat right now. City is running away with it. I mean, look at their last five, they have 15 points, you know what I mean? And beating Chelsea, like that's, that's what they've got to do to make those statements, right. That they're, they belong at the top of the table. And Liverpool yeah, faltered, you know, of late. So, um, so yeah, it's it's it feels like it's City, but I'm still holding out hope that crazy things can happen. Well, and the crazy things you need to happen are Chelsea taking points off City, right? I think that's yeah, that's the bummer. I mean, yeah, I mean, so far, so far, City hasn't stumbled like against weaker teams, but like again, going back to Liverpool last year, Liverpool in the winter was looking dominant and then spent two or three months in the crapper, just losing to Burnley, losing to Watford, losing, you know, I'm like just losing to these clubs that they have no business losing to in really poor fashion. And then mounted a really strong run of play the last two months of the season to climb back up into third above Chelsea. And it was just like crazy things happen, you know? And so it, yeah, again, like, if city were to stumble, you would think it would be against the Chelsea against the Liverpool against some of these other big clubs and it hasn't happened. So like, yeah. I'm, well, so I'm not a fool. I'm not a fool to think that this is a fluke, but there is that just, I mean, crazy things have happened, you know? So, so I'm won, hopeful that, that they could happen again. Yeah. They've won 12 in a row in the league. Their last loss was October 30th against crystal palace. So this is one of those runs that, city goes on that feels like there's no way to come back from it. And so they'll have to start dropping points eventually Liverpool or Chelsea, or even Tottenham who have four games in hand. Um, I mean, it's probably unlikely, but Tottenham, if they won all four of their games in hand would be tied with Liverpool. Right. Well, yeah, with, I guess but Liverpool would have a game, we'll in, have a game in hand, but still, I mean, maybe that's a ridiculous statement to make because that's pr- still pretty far behind. I mean, it yeah. really feels like only Liverpool, if Chelsea had a chance, it was this weekend. So Chelsea yeah. seems to be totally out of it. So it seems like if there's a chance, it's going to be Liverpool. So if, if it's true that city is running away with the title, which is so unfortunate because for so long, we really thought it was going to be a three-team race. It leads to the question, Tim, what races, and it's hard to tell with so many games in hand with so many different clubs, but I'm curious to know and to share my own opinion on what, what races are the most interesting now moving forward. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm obviously still very interested in what Liverpool does, even if even if it's not um, winning the league. Uh, just finishing second instead of third or fourth feels like important. But I understand, like at a certain point, if you're not winning the league, whether you finish two, three, or four is like just kind of a luxury. You know, it's not yeah. really that consequential. Um, but I think finishing second just psychologically feels a lot better but but again like recognizing that that's really at this point assuming liverpool don't catch city um it's like it's probably less interesting than the four through seven race right the for those europe spots yeah i assume you think the same right certainly yeah i mean i think and again it's it's hard to say with all these these up in the air uh you know, games in hand, but 
but certainly that really that race for the fourth spot is really interesting to me. Yep. Um, Arsenal in some ways is in control with West Ham losing over the weekend. Arsenal is only two, two points back, but has two games in hand. Um, Tottenham four games in hand is only four points back of West Ham Uh, United two games in hand. They're only five points back. Wolves are the uh, six points back with two games in hand. And then even Leicester, uh, no, Leicester's totally too far back. But yeah, Leicester and Brighton, I think, are slipping away. Yeah, it feels like it feels like West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester, Manchester United, and and Wolves. Wolves on the outside looking in for sure. Um, yeah, things have, have to bend. Things have to bend their way, but they're still in the hunt, right? For a, for I, a final European spot. I did see a tweet of someone in Europe saying that wolves were like a 35 to one odd odds to get top four. So I looked on the U S app to see what they were and they were 60 to one. Huh? So I threw five bucks on it. (laughs) I was like, might as well, might as well. So I, uh, this is, this is going to be nowhere near my cyber metrics of AFCON. But I did a little math here too. Oh, I love it. So I looked at um, points divided by matches played. Oh yeah. As just like a rough gauge, like obviously yeah. the games that Tottenham has to make up, it matters who they're playing. It matters totally. which four games they have. Matters which two games Arsenal has. It matters which two games all those other clubs have to make up. Um, but kind of like just as a rough ballpark. And if you go by that based on like, okay, so – um let's see united is an easy one because you divide it by 20 you divide 32 by 20 yeah. so it's like 1.6 points per match is what we should expect from them based on how they've played yeah so i did that i'll just run through really quick it would put tottenham in fourth yeah it would put arsenal in fifth west ham in sixth united in seventh and wolves in eighth so it's pretty close especially like yeah those those at least those final two spots. Um, And obviously this is like so marginal. It's so close between these clubs, but um, you could see, I could see West Ham and United kind of fighting for those two spots. And I would love to see Wolves in the mix. Like it does feel like, as you said, they're on the outside looking in, but totally within striking distance. Totally. Um, And like Arsenal and Tottenham are the two most kind of pro I mean, probably I would say in the best two positions, even better than West Ham because of those games in hand, but Arsenal with all those injuries, I mean, apart from getting away with postponing that match, they still have to deal with all those injuries. Right. And Arsenal's three matches that they have to make up are Spurs, Chelsea and Wolves and Liverpool. Oh, and Liverpool. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. They have Liverpool and Wolves at home and then Chelsea and Tottenham away. That's really hard to gain ground. That's really tough. Spurs have Brighton, Burnley, Arsenal. Leicester this week. Oh, and Leicester this week. That's right. So those yeah. are those are manageable. I mean, I think I think it'll really determine where the level of Spurs are at, right? Spurs, yeah. Leicester, Leicester at home against Spurs. Leicester has started looking a little better, but they've got they they're affected by AFCON. <laughs> Totally. They've got got key players out and Spurs have no one out. So this, I think Spurs Spurs theoretically are well more, are way more rested coming, coming out of December into January. Like obviously players who've dealt with COVID and stuff, that's, that's not nothing, right? Like for some players that could be a real setback, but for others, it's just time of rest. Right. Yep. And so, yeah, it, it feels like, and with content at the helm, like it feels like Tottenham has, they could go on a run, right? Yeah. They could be, they could go on a really good run. But the games in hand they have, I, I really, I mean, maybe it's obvious to, to state, but the games they have in hand will really determine what level they're at. Cause it's totally. Leicester, Arsenal, Brighton and Burnley, which we're going to leave Burnley out of that, but Brighton and Brighton, Arsenal and Leicester are all comparable clubs to them. So if they, yeah. If they beat all three of those clubs, then I think they really have a top four discussion. Yeah. If they lose or draw, then they're probably, 
you know, going to be fighting for a Europe place. But you know what, if they, if they get nine points out of those four games, is that right? Yeah. If they get nine points out of those four games, they're at 42 points right behind Chelsea. Right. So like nine points maybe is a stretch to what to expect, but I mean, six points isn't a stretch. I don't know. Like, but I guess that's my point. If they get nine points, they deserve to be in the top four because they've clearly totally, distinguished yeah. themselves as better than Arsenal, Leicester, Brighton, probably. Because yeah. you can maybe let's count the Burnley as a win. So then they're they win two of those other three matches. If they only yep. come up with five points out of those matches, that actually still puts them in, in, in fourth, fourth, but just barely ahead of, of West Ham. So, and, and Arsenal will still have played, you know, I mean, Arsenal has, has a slog ahead of them. They may not get any points from that, from those games, but, and we also don't know, like we're talking about these games in hand as if they're like an isolated bunch, but they're going to be slotted like in random places. I think through the, I think that's how they're going to do it. Right. Just like they're going to have to slotting them in and random midweeks, um, the other thing, the other thing I was looking at with these clubs is obviously fourth place is the big prize for these clubs that we've been talking about, but then most likely there will be what three in Europa, um, five, five and six, and then seven plays in like a, a play in round, right? No, seven now is slotted in that conference league thing that, which isn't that a play in for you for Europa? No. Okay, got it. No, it's its own separate. It's its own uh, thing. Yeah, or or tournament, I guess. Got it. Yeah. Which for Wolves, I mean, mean, any spot. I mean, you know, as a Wolves fan, probably speak for Brighton fans as as well. Even though they're on the outside looking in, Wolves, Brighton, Leicester. I think getting the the seventh spot. Certainly the sixth spot conference league. I don't know how that's not very illustrious. It's new this year. So yeah, I mean, really that sixth spot is what you want, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I understood that uh, the conference league, I misunderstood that as a, as like a play in round. Um, but yeah, so you're looking at two Europa spots. Um, so for these, what six clubs that we've been talking about, there's really three viable spots. And one thing I was looking at is like the other paths to qualify for those beyond just the table. So Arsenal got bumped out of the FA. So that's one less path for them. And I, and I feel like in a way it's like a little bit of a long shot to think about, Oh, well this club finished outside, you know, in the table, but they won the Carabao cup or won the FA, but like, it always feels like at the end of the season, there's at least one or two clubs that's like, that are facing those scenarios, right. Of like, well, they may not finish, you know, in the sixth spot on the table, but if they beat this team in, in the FA Cup, they can, you know, they can sneak in. So And they're still um, in the mix. Arsenal specifically is still in the mix, you know, with Carabao. Right. They've got to beat Liverpool and then beat Chelsea. Yeah. So, which is tough, but it's doable. It's a path. Yep. But, yeah. So, without without FA, that definitely is, is a challenge for Arsenal. United has has FA and champions league, which yep. champions league for them would be a pretty long shot. And then West Ham, Tottenham and wolves just have, they have the premier league and FA. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. I want to talk about some of the other, the other races, but I do want to highlight just quickly. We do have our own little football neophytes battle happening with, uh-huh. between United and wolves. Yeah, we do a point separating the two clubs um and so that'll be fun just to kind of see obviously if wolves finish above united i think wolves would be ecstatic and it would be viewed as a huge a huge setback for for united so yeah i can't see this season ending in anything other than disappointment for united because they were their expectations were two three four i think really two or three yeah um, coming into the season and so to be in seventh basically fighting for a spot in Europa League just feels bizarre yet again for United right yeah but it, and, and as you say like one point difference and one goal difference between them yeah I mean it's close United has a plus three Wolves have a plus two that's it's neck and neck yeah 
any other races that you're interested in? I mean, the, the relegation race will always be interesting as well. Uh, and I think Burnley, it's interesting. Cause like, if, if you're looking at those three relegation clubs, like what's the club that's the most like nervous or full of dread Burnley's at the bottom of the table, but they've got five games in hand. And I mean, when you're at the bottom of the table and you average like less than a point per match, it's hard to see a path like to emerge from relegation, but with five games in hand, man, like, I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich, and then obviously Watford's right outside of there. I think Everton will be safe, but um, that'll be wild to watch that as well. How about you? Yeah, I, to me, I'm just really interested to see what happens with Everton. Um, yeah. The fact that they're even that close to relegation. It's wild. I'm, if I remember correctly, they're the one team who has never – does that sound I right? Think they, so. You're the one team. I think you mentioned that earlier in the season. I think so. If I remember correctly, they're the one team that has never been outside of the the top league, League One, whatever the top league of the uh, yeah. FA Pyramid is. FA Pyramid, yeah, FA Pyramid. So I'm interested. And they've been see. around for a long time. They've been around longer than Liverpool. They've they've been. They're one yep. of the OGs. Yeah. So. That obviously leads us to to Rafa Benitez. He is out. Um, mm. Looks like he did he did his job his the job that Liverpool sent him to do. Uh, former <laughs> Liverpool manager, to destroy their neighbors, try and destroy Everton from the inside out. Uh, he seems to have accomplished that. So um, it's brutal, man. It's so sad. I mean. Yeah, I know I'm like, maybe this is like the American fan of me talking, but like there are like players on Everton that I really, really like. And I think, uh, and some players on Everton that I really hate, but <laughs> to me, it's like, it's so much more exciting when the crosstown rivals are a really good team. You know what I mean? So there's the I don't know. Our crosstown like, rivals are in, in the championship. So <laughs> <laughs> looking down at them, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's something about it. That's really like, there's, there's part of me that feels like, Oh yeah. Like Everton's in such terrible shape, but, but really it's just sad. Like it's such yeah. a storied club. It's such a, like, it's such a wealthy club. And they've just been so poorly managed and run. Um, they have they have so much talent, but they just don't have. It just seems like they don't have an identity or a plan, and like one big name manager after another is not solving it. I, I mean, I'm sure we we'll want to get into like any speculation of like who will be the next manager there, but like, I feel like what would be best for them is if they just get some like they get the guy from the academy, the guy who's running their academy, or some someone who knows the organization who knows the players get someone in there. Who's not a big name and just like try to bring stability, try to like get further away from relegation, get on a, like a decent run of play where you're putting together a game or two here and there that feels good. And then like, and come up with a plan before you go and hire, hire Wayne Rooney to come back and, and manage totally. the club. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. When, when things are chaotic, to bring in someone or, or promote someone from the inside who can bring stability. I think that's yeah. what, like, it feels like it's a bit like what United tried to do or like a hybrid where they brought in this big name, well-respected as like a stopgap. Yeah. You know, with Ragnick coming in and bringing stability, it just hasn't worked for them. So that's, that's the risk. Right. Yeah. Um, I know there's, I don't know if it's real speculation or if it was just someone passing their thoughts, but I do because their Everton was linked with Nuno before they hired Rafa. Oh. So there's some questions of whether they would pull Nuno in, but that bring him in as the as the stopgap. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem to be a good decision. I agree. I think bring someone in who knows whether it's one of the assistant managers or someone from the U23s or the academy, someone who knows the system and allow the team to figure it out like yeah come up with a plan that's gonna work 
Yeah, I mean, you think like Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin and, um, I mean, those are two incredibly talented players. For just sure. Two. And then, I mean, Pickford is on my, uh, what's the name of the team of players we uh, don't care for? The uh, Kyle Walker squad. The Kyle Walker squad. Oh, he's Pickford my Kyle is definitely the, he's, he's the keeper of that squad. But he he's talented. Sure I mean, he's the England goalkeeper. He's a talented yeah. guy. And um, so, yeah, it's just – it's really sad to see them in such disarray. It really is. One thing I've wanted to do – we used to have term of the week back in the first couple seasons where as we were discovering and learning about this wonderful – game of soccer uh we do term of the week sometimes there's rules there's things that we hear phrases that we're like what does that mean what is that i want to bring up something today uh in our knowing is half the battle segment now we know and knowing is half the battle that happened in the carabao cup actually and that is harry kane had a goal called off for being off sides, but there was a defender between him and the goal. Yeah. The keeper had come out. He got caught out of position. Harry Kane got the ball and scored. But the problem was is and and it looks from like if you don't understand the rule completely, it looks like well, he's clearly on side because there's a defender between him and the goal. But did you know that the actual rule is there has to be two defenders between you and the goal? I had no idea. That, I was so puzzled when I saw when I saw the offside call. Yeah. And so we take the keeper is just typically a given. So you're typically only looking for another, another uh, defender. And so the actual law or the rule is two players between you and goal for it not to be offsides. And so that's why Kane's goal was uh, negated and knowing's half the battle. It's wild. Cause I mean, you, I mean, Allison is one of those keepers who is always, who is always like rushing out to the edge of the box, you know, kind of like engaging in those risky plays. But when he does that, that's because like the Liverpool defenders are just getting back on the Liverpool side of the field. Like there's (laughs) never a Liverpool defender at the goal when the keeper is that far out. And so I think that's why it's so rare to see it is like, the situations in which a keeper is that far out and a defender's right on the line are just so rare. Totally. Well, let's, let's give each other a few minutes to talk about our clubs and, and this weekend. Um, Tim, I will allow you to go first. We're not going to set the clock since there's only two of us. So go well, I can it. keep it. I can keep it pretty quick. I mean, obviously the big question for Liverpool this month is with Afghan with Salah and Mane uh, out. And then also Keita, um, but especially those two guys up front out. It's just kind of that question of like, where will our goals come from? Will there be enough goals? And the the Carabao Cup tie with Arsenal uh, really made me nervous. Right, it ended in a zero yeah. zero draw at Anfield, which you just you just don't see nil nil draws at Anfield. It at Anfield or just involving Liverpool. So. Um, so it was really kind of jarring. And then coming into this game, it was pretty messy, sporadic first half. So it really felt like we were like, well, that was the test. How much do we rely on them to score goals? Well, we rely on them a lot. And we know that Jata has become a really good goal scorer, but that's kind of my, I, I was thinking kind of mid game or late in the first half, just kind of like, I wonder if he's the kind of goal scorer who can score when there's superstars on either side of it. You know what I mean? Um, who are getting that's, like, that's, I mean, as a Wolves fan, like Jota yep. would score in spurts. He would yep. get a hat trick, score a goal the next match. And then he'd be completely absent for 10 matches yeah. and then he'd score a couple. And so part of like, when people look at that Jota move, I think sometimes yep. people are like, oh, Wolves let this gem get away. They did. 
but he yeah. went to a club that could really utilize him and make him better because of who he's surrounded by. Yeah. And so yeah, he's, he's a product of that system working for him. And I think this is what you're alluding yeah, to, right? Is yeah. he needs some other goal scorers around him to really unlock his, his true potential. It seems that way. I mean, we'll see, you know, in the next couple games we've got coming up, uh, including another uh, Carabao cup tie this week, but um, yeah, it seems like he's Jata's at his best kind of in a scrum. He gets a leg leg or his head on the ball in like chaos. Right. And, yeah. um, and obviously when you've got Sala, the best player in the world um, beside you, the defenders are gravitating away from, from you if you're Jata. So anyway, um, so you wouldn't know it by the final score line that it felt like a nervy game to be watching it, especially coming out, coming after the Carabao Cup tie, knowing that for the next few games, we wouldn't have our big guys up front. So the fact that the, that the guys broke through and scored several was really nice to see. Um, and I've heard some people talk about the game, like, Oh, what a statement, what a you know resounding win and whatever. And it's like, I mean, yeah, it's hard to like argue with that from the scoreline perspective, but, um, but it definitely didn't feel that way the whole time to me. So um, Mino Mino got a birthday goal. That was nice to see. Um, and great. a league and a league goal. Cause he's done great in Carabao. And I bit, I think a bit in FA for whatever reason, like he's just partly cause I think they're resting the other big guys for that, yeah. but um, he's done super well in those. So it's good to see that. Um Ox, Ox, uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain had an incredible goal. I mean, that long pass and then the header was really nice to see. Um, he's another guy, like kind of what you're describing a younger Jata, the like the streaky thing where Ox will have some games where he looks incredible and then will go a long period of time without seeming to make much of an impact. So, um, anyway, so it was a good match. Um, good, good to get those three points, move back into second. Um, but there's still work to do. Yep. Wolves three, Southampton one. First off, I mean, we should just stop and say Wolves three. Like Wolves that's three. Wolves three. That's a big, that's a big statement by Wolves. Uh, I just bet Wolves one nil every week because it's more times than not. If they're going to win, they're going to win one nil. But three one was the, was the, the score line on that, but uh, right off the bat, I log in or I, I check the app at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning when they announced the the squad, the 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 starters, and I see this name Tati, T O T I, playing the left side of our center center backs, and I'm like, what in the world? Like I'm pretty up to date. I'm staying up to date on things, but somehow I'd missed that Tati Gomez, uh, he's a, a center back Portuguese kid. Uh, he's been out on loan at wolves feeder club in Zurich, the grasshoppers. Uh, they had recalled him last weekend and apparently he did well enough in his four or five days of training that Bruno wanted to give him the start. So, and he played well, We've got Romaine Sice gone for AFCON, and so he slotted into that spot. Marcel had started uh, last weekend, but Tati got the start this week. He played pretty well back there. Southampton started off strong. They had like eight corners in the first half. It was crazy. <laughs> they just they, – nothing really looked that threatening, but definitely held a lot of the possession. Uh, but then Raul got – or then there was a foul, I think on Ryan ain't Nuri in the box penalty. Raul scored it, put us up one nil. Then uh, there's a header off the bar bounces out and Connor Cody, captain Connor comes in, scores his first premier league goal at Molyneux in his career, something like 150 appearances or something like that. So Jose saw comes running up from the back. I mean, it was clear how important <clears throat> that was. The crowd was going crazy. All of the teammates surrounding him. He was stoked. 
Um, it was in front of the South bank fans were going nuts. He was, he was excited. So that was great. That, that gave us a two, two nil lead. And then James Ward Prowse, who we've talked about so much here on the pod, just remarkable set piece taker scored this goal from like 35 yards out. I mean, it's the movement on the ball. It looks like it deflects off Matinho's head and goes in the upper right corner, but it doesn't, it's just got crazy movement on it. Just a great strike um, to cut the deficit in half, which made the the rest of the match pretty nervy. Um, And that was actually the first set piece goal scored against wolves this season. They were the only premier league team who had not allowed a set piece goal all season. So nothing off corners that just shows how, how disciplined they've been this year. Uh, Traore ends up scoring the third. Um, he had missed a sitter <laughs> earlier, like open goal he missed. And then a couple minutes later, uh, he slots one away to, to give them the three, one lead, which was great. Um, Jose saw had made some great saves, um, early in the match. He had played really great. I, I know I'm biased, but I feel like I have to say it because no one else will, because he's just not getting a lot of publicity. I I really think he's the best keeper in the premier league. The statistics on him this season, this season, his current form, his current form for the first 20 matches. I don't know if there's a keeper better than him. I think he has the most saves in the league. Um, He's got like 80% uh, save rate. I mean, it's, he's, he's just remarkable. And so uh, he's been, he's been such a great signing this, this season. Then the final thing I wanted to say, because it's more intriguing for the implications, but today we signed a, a youngster from Portugal, Chiquinho. Wait, uh, he's Portuguese? I know. Surprise, surprise. Man. Uh, he's a winger uh, playing for a club that I'd actually never heard of, but they're sitting in sixth place in the Portuguese top division. And... Uh, I'm just curious. They signed him for 3 million. He, they plan on having him in the first team squad, but it could be an indication that that wolves are going to sell Adame. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, obviously Adame has been linked to Tottenham. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. And also Barca. And that's my, hope, Oh yeah. Is that, that I don't want to, I don't want to have to play against him. Right. <laughs> like, that would hurt. That would hurt, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it I, would physically hurt your players. <laughs> yes. Well, I love him, and so I'd hate to have to play against him. And then, yeah, I also I do think they're. I'm not so worried about Tottenham necessarily, but if he were to go to another club, I wouldn't like the prospect of him being around other elite players that could maybe make, make him better him look more like a Jota situation, mm, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I hope he goes to Barcelona because it's a dumpster fire over there. Totally. Let him <laughs> figure it out over there. He would look way better. I mean, I, he was with Barcelona earlier in his career, right? He would look yeah. way better in Barcelona colors than Tottenham. Totally. Ugh, be gross. So just for aesthetics alone. Yeah. I'd have to retire my first my first kit though. Actually, the full kit wanker kit would have to go away. That's the Adama <laughs> one. So only if he went to a rival, though, right? Or like you would you would put it in the closet until he oh, retires. I something. wouldn't. I wouldn't sell it. I'm like that. You wouldn't burn those, it. You wouldn't burn, I wouldn't his burn it. I just wouldn't wear it anymore. But there would come a time when you could wear it again, right? Yeah, That's my point, right? Yes, like, exactly. So. When he retires, <clears throat> it's like in ten years, right? When I can <clears throat> put it on again. That's right. Well, we have like a pseudo assist from an American. Yeah, we do. Josh Sargent with the, I think, uncredited assist on the keen own goal. (laughs) But hey, he put it in the box. And he celebrated it as if it were an assist or his own own goal. 
(laughs) And he should. Like, it was, I mean, it led to a goal. I mean, he's the primary contributor to that goal. Yep. Yep. Michael Keane. So you feel bad for Keane, huh? He just puts his leg out and in it goes. Yeah. We have quite a few, I think, worthy goals for goal of the week. All of them with the three, the initials, as I mentioned in the bumper. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne with a great goal. We already mentioned Al, uh, St. Maximin with just an amazing first off, just the way he kind of like battles and holds that ball and, and gets into a position to score. And then probably the mo- most spectacular of all the goals is the Richarlison bicycle, but I still don't think, I still think out of all of those nice goals over the weekend, the James Ward Prowse. To me, that's the goal of the week, 35 yards out from a set piece. Just he's, he's remarkable. And to me, like he really is, that's the hardest thing. That was the hardest goal to score out of all those goals. Yeah. And, and the technique of it, right? Like just to do what he did on a free kick like that. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And the balls just to do it. Right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, maybe this is a conversation for another time, but he feels like his, his star is rightly rising. And you just wonder like how long it'll be before, before he's the next Grealish or something like that. Right. Like where he gets bought up for some insane amount of money by one of the big clubs. He feels like that kind of a player. to me. I don't know how old he is. I feel like, I feel like he's like more, middle middle age like is he really quote unquote like 26 uh 27 27 yeah that's what i thought so he's not, not a young, go for young a, whippersnapper but yeah he's not going to go for a massive fee that's um, true. but but yeah i mean you think you think his time there and that i mean that's kind of southampton's mo right is well, they're, yeah. they're, aren't they the they're, Liverpool, they're they're the Liverpool feeder club, right? Yeah, yeah. So so maybe James Ward-Prowse will come in and slot into their midfield somewhere. St. Maximin's another one, though. He's got so much flash, so much style. Well, he won't leave Newcastle now that he can get paid there. That's true, yeah. Nor should they let them let him go. He's, he's a star. He's so fun to watch. And, um. And speaking of him, to 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 me, he had the celebration of the week. He had this, I don't know, funky ninja kick. <laughs> I'm not even sure what it was, but but it was different, and I appreciate different. Let's move to lock it on review. Lock it on. Lock it in review. Um. I went one for one. I had a, one of my games in hand during the midweek. I picked Brentford over Southampton and Southampton Hampton laid the smackdown on Brentford, which is unfortunate. Brentford had a couple rough games in a row. They're still sitting in 14th. They're still in line to win our Wolves award. They should stay up, but, but they've definitely had a rough go. 3 0 yeah. 3 0 to Liverpool, 4 1 to Southampton. They beat Villa a few weeks ago, lost to City, lost to Brighton. So hopefully, hopefully they can regain some of their form. But then I picked, picked Wolves over Southampton and Wolves won. So that puts me at 14 and 6. Tim, you had Liverpool over uh, Brentford, which keeps you right in track with me at 13 and seven and Chris riding that city bus. He's going to do it as long as he can. And, (laughs) uh, that brings him up to 11 and nine. He had first pick and he took city again over Southampton. Tim, who are you taking? I got Liverpool over palace. Might as well. I nearly took Wolves again over Brentford, but they handled us pretty 
nicely at Molyneux. They beat us two nil earlier in the season. Um, and so I'm taking Chelsea over Spurs instead. We have some makeup matches tomorrow and Wednesday to keep an eye on. Nothing really uh, too exciting midweek. Tomorrow's Brighton Chelsea. Wednesday, Leicester Spurs. I think that's a little interesting from a are Spurs really good <laughs> or are they just fighting for, you know, a Europa slot perspective? And then Man U and Brentford. We'll see how many of those games actually happen. Yeah. And then over the weekend, I think I'm interested in the West Ham United versus Manchester United match and also Chelsea Tottenham. Yeah, for sure. Those are the big ones. I really want to see if Tottenham's good. And I think we'll get a much better idea after these next kind of six or seven days. Is this, is their game this weekend? Is that at Chelsea? I, I believe it's at Chelsea. I mean, either way, if I think, I think if Tottenham lose by a goal, that's a really, that's a really good result for Tottenham uh, against Chelsea. But if they can do any more than that, that'll really send a message. Yeah. I think that the, the, the only caveat to that is that Chelsea is without Mendy, who's their number one keeper. And they really, frankly, haven't looked that great lately. And so, um, so it'll we just be haven't really... seen Tottenham lately. So. And we haven't seen Tottenham lately. Chelsea beat them so. three. Chelsea beat them three nil um, earlier in the season season in London. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where where things kind of wind up. Yeah, for sure. How's that Cardinals game looking? Uh, it is. 34 to 11 with three minutes left. So Kemi and Chris, Kemi and Chris, we missed you. You should have been on the podcast. You probably would have had more fun. Well, with that, Tim, good night. Good night. I don't really have strong opinions on the Glazers. I don't know if you either. So no, we may just have to say good night. Well, I don't like, united so i think the longer they're there (laughs) keep them in keep them burning (laughs) we'll let it we'll let the let the club burn all right man all right dude good night see you later